0: Alright, well Malachi chapter number 1, verse number 6. We're going to look at the, the entirety of this chapter, but I'm not going to read the, the entire thing. I, I want you to read these few verses because uh, these few verses is, is really going to talk about the, the bulk of what we're going to talk about this morning. Verse number 6 to verse number 10. So verse number 6, the Bible says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my, mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name? And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Ye ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that, ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the, the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath by your means, will he regard your person, saith the Lord of hosts? Who was there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on mine altar for naught, I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. This morning, I'd like us to look at a subject called all or nothing, all or nothing. In 1968, prior to the Olympics in Mexico City, a man by the name of John Stephen, Aquari of Tanzania was just another marathon runner. An Olympic caliber runner, yes. He had won marathons in Africa, running with times under two and a half hours and easily he qualified for the Olympics. But in Mexico City, as he ran, Aquari encountered an obstacle he had never faced before. The obstacle was the altitude which caused his legs to cramp severely still he kept running then after about halfway through the race he tangled with some other runners and fell which caused him to dislocate his knee scrape his leg and hurt his shoulder as he fell but still he didn't stop with terrible injuries and cramped muscles he labored on and finished the race and he was one of 75 people who started the race and one of 57 that actually finished it. When he finally entered the arena for the the final lap, only a couple thousand people were there to see him complete the race. Of course, you've, you've guessed it, he finished dead last. Being more than an hour behind the winner, as he circled the now darkened track, a cheer went up because although it seemed that Aquari had lost the race, Everyone who saw him finish knew he was a winner. Yeah. In an interview later, a reporter asked, why didn't you quit when you were hurt, bruised, bloody, discouraged? Why didn't you quit? His answer, I, an iconic answer, you've probably heard this story, and if, you, if, if you'll understand when I say what he said, you'll think, okay, maybe I've heard this before. But if you haven't, he said in his answer, my country, did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. John Stephen Aquari was not a man that only wanted to be known for being the best. He wanted to be a man that was known for simply giving his best. And I gotta tell you, this kind of mindset today is getting hard to find. This kind of mindset today, we've now become a society that we believe that we should only give our best when there is a reward to be gained. We've, we've become a society that, to, that, that this notion of giving our best without reward has become foolish. For instance, maybe we, we work at our job, right? And we will give our best at our job because we want a pay raise or we believe that maybe our job is in jeopardy so we feel that we need to give our absolute best at our job because we don't want to lose our job or we want more, a reward. Maybe we do the best that we can in school because we want the A. Maybe we do our best in our relationship because we want to woo the other person, right? (laughs) And February 14th is here, right, It's, it's coming. And this February 14th, guys are going to do their very best to make their lady happy. Because there's a reward to gain, even in sports, people will do their very best because they want to win. And if they ever feel like they won't, the effort to give my best is not worth it. Where did that come from? Yeah. Where, where, did, where, when did that happen? I'm constantly trying to teach the teens this in our youth group as as we play games on Wednesday nights, sometimes one team will be so far ahead that the other team thinks to themselves, uh, they already won. And I'm trying to guard that, I'm trying to, to put them, make them understand, listen, never give up. You never know what can happen, especially if you have God on your side. You never know what can happen. So I'm trying to cur- currently teach that to the teens because I, I don't understand where, how have we become a society that giving our best without a reward is now foolish and sadly i believe that we've carried that mentality into our christian lives yeah. we've carried that into our christian lives and sadly even more so into our time of worship i'm going to be honest with you i'm not i'm not trying to my my goal for this message this morning let me let me let me just say this let's get this out right away i'm not trying to be rude i'm not trying to be mean i'm not trying to put anyone on blast i'm not trying to be unkind Okay, simply my my sincere desire is that I would show you what this passage says, and that the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, that the Holy Spirit that's living in you would convict you, that he would beat you up. Okay, and he would convict you of all truth. Okay, that's my goal. I'm not trying to be rude, I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone. That that is not my goal this morning. But I'm gonna tell you it's high time we recognize that it is a grave dishonor that when we come to worship God, we give him anything less than our best anything less than our absolute best. Do you know that our highest calling is to give God our best? You think about it. In Matthew chapter number 22, when this this lawyer comes to Jesus and he, he comes tempting him, he says, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul and with all thy mind our highest calling is to give god our absolute best but how many times is it sadly that it it becomes a reality that we come to church and we are half-heartedly coming in here we are apathetically coming in here and when we're singing jesus saves jesus saves half-hearted singing Half-heartedly, when the offering plate is given, we, we are grudgingly giving and, and we are half-heartedly giving. We are, when in our ministries, we are half-heartedly serving. In, in our prayer time, we are half-heartedly praying. In our, teach, in our teaching, we are half-heartedly teaching. And, and woe is me if I'm up here and I am half-heartedly preaching. He deserves the best. He deserves it we're going to talk about that here later, but it is a grave dishonor to God that we come in here and we give him anything less than our absolute best. In our passage this morning, we, we find a people that is accused of doing that, that, that very same thing, less than their best. God is going to use a prophet by the name of Malachi to address this. And Malachi is now prophesying during a time where the people had become comfortable. Honestly, a little bit too comfortable, right? And uh, they grew lazy in, in following the law of God. They grew lazy in their worship of God. They, they grew lazy in, in their offering and sacrifice to God. And they, they grew to a place where everything had become routine and realistic. And we need to guard against that because that can happen to us. We've done this stuff for so long that we can just kind of walk in here. and It's like, oh, yeah. Man, I had a long day yesterday. Man, I had a busy weekend. Well, let me just... Let me just show myself, my face in church and let me just do what I always do and let me just get through this day. Whoa. Come on. God doesn't deserve that. That's right. Amen. Amen. That's, that's dishonorable. Amen. That, that, that is dishonorable. And I sincerely believe that as, as, as they are confronted with the truth that God wants their best, as we are confronted with the truth that God wants our best, may we desire to get that squared away because that is not okay. Yeah. See, with, with the people in our passage as they're confronted with the truth that God wants their best you know what the truth that 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 ultimately they're gonna be confronted with is that what they're giving is just not it And, and and I don't know where you're at this morning but maybe we're gonna look at this passage and we're gonna look at what the truth of this passage says and again I'm not targeting anybody I'm not throwing shade as the young people say at anybody but sincerely I just want you to see the truth and the Holy Spirit that lives inside you He'll deal with you about that, that's not my job. I don't wanna play him this morning. But are we giving our best? Are we giving our best? Ladies and gentlemen, may, I am not advocating for works-based salvation this morning. Let's get, that, let's, get that, let's get that out of the way right now, okay? I am not advocating that we need to try, that we need to work hard so that God uh, can, can, can accept us and so that we can have a, a, a salvation. No, we know that we are only saved by grace we know that ephesians 2 verse 8 through 9 says for by grace are ye saved through faith, and not uh, faith and not that of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast i'm not talking about trying i'm talking about giving that's two totally different things and we're going to talk about what that actually means because in this passage we're going to look at three reasons why we should actually be giving god our best we're going to look at those and, and I believe that God, if we sincerely look at our lives, and there, there might be some areas, there might be one area, there might be some areas that we realize, you know what, man, just, I'm just not giving God my best in this area. And my goal is that this morning, we would get that taken care of. But before we get to these reasons, I wanna explain what this passage says. I wanna explain to you what's actually going on here. So just, if you're taking notes, by way of introduction, I purposely didn't give you Notes, notes, because I want you to have the lines to write down as you, as you feel need to write down. But the first thing, even starting in verse number one, we're going to go and try and outline the entire passage. Even verse number one, we see that Malachi is, is called, or even as he calls it, burdened to give a message to these people. Right? So the burden of the word of, of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. What is the message that he, first of all, gives? Well, the first message we see he gives is the message of God's love. We see the message of God's love. Look in verse number two. I have loved you. The message is, hey, don't forget that God loves you, Israel. Don't forget. And we see right away he gives them the proof of his love. God proved his love. Look in verse number two. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? God goes on and he says, What do you mean? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. And that's What is he's he saying. God proved this love because he chose you. He chose them. He said, Israel, I chose you. In fact, you go back to Genesis chapter number 22 and verse number 23. And the Bible says, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. God's telling them, what do you mean I don't love you? You forget, I chose you. You're chosen by me. I chose you. He gives them this proof, and in verse number three, he says, I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. He goes on in verse number four, he says, And this, this, this Esau that you compare yourself to, just remember, Whereas Edom saith, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places, saith the Lord of hosts. God says, here's the proof of my love. I chose you. And you know what the promise is? If you need, you need me to promise you, I will continue to choose you. Look at what he says in verse number four. He says, they say, but, but we will return. Right now we are in parvish, but we will return and we will build desolate places. And you know what God says? They shall build, but I will throw down. They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the people, everyone watching. They shall call them the border of wickedness. And everyone watching, they shall call them the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And here's the promise. And your eyes shall see. And ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Of Israel, God says, I chose you. You Want me to be honest? I'm going to also keep choosing you. And you're going to see it. I love you. And Malachi, he's here to, to bring this message that because Israel, in verse number two, they have forgotten that God loves them. But God, God understands that sometimes before we get a spanking, we need to remind the person that we're spanking that we love them. And so God reminds them, hey, listen, I love you. I chose you, and I will continue to choose you. But then that wasn't the only message that Malachi had to preach, you know. Malachi then moves on in verse number six. We see he then is going to give the message of God's hurt. The message of God's hurt. Look at in verse number six. The Bible says, a son honoreth his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord? So God now is questioning and investigating and inquiring, asking, I love you. I'm your father. I'm your master. Why am I not being treated like it? He says a father should be honored, a master should be respected. Where's my honor? Where's my respect? Now you see, you look in verse number 6, and, it's, and the Bible says, the, saith the Lord unto you, O priests that despise my name. So the priests really were the ones that were responsible for this, that is in question, for dishonoring God. The priests were the ones that was, was responsible and should have known better to, to understand that, that God deserves the best and nothing less. But the people are still accused because they followed suit. See, there's a phrase, I saw this, uh, I, saw this uh, uh, I can't remember where I saw this, but there's a phrase, like priests, like people. You see, a church will only go as far as their leader and man. Listen, I'm not advocating for man worship this morning, but I am thankful. I am in a church that understands that, listen, God deserves the best. Because there's a man that sits right on that second pew every, fun, every Sunday. And I'm going to tell you, f- f- for real, that man knows that, that God deserves his best. I'm going to tell you, this morning, I missed him. Because when he sits there, he stands there. He understands I gotta sing with my best. He understands when I walk in here, I have to be at my best. I have to preach at my best. I have to look my best. I'm not even gonna go there. I'm not even gonna go there. But he understands I have to be at my best. And he proves it. And I'm thankful that we have a leader that believes, that understands that God deserves the best. That God deserves nothing less. The people, the priests in this day, however, they had gotten to the point where they were leading these people in less than best. And God, at the end of verse number six, and he says, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? God, God accused the priests, the, ye that despise my name, and they say, wherein have we despised thy name? Man, it's so sad. When, when someone's doing wrong, but then... I don't even know that they're doing wrong. And these guys are looking at God and they're like, what are you talking about? How have we despised thy name? And God said, are you for real? He says in verse number seven, we see God's accusation. He says in verse number seven, ye offered polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? They gave polluted bread, unworthy bread, bread that wasn't perfect because that's, again, what God deserves, right? 100%, the absolute best. They gave polluted bread, unworthy bread. You look at at what God said. Look Look at the end of verse number seven. He says, in that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. You know, the word contemptible means to disesteem. So the word esteem means to view as valuable, to view as high. He says, by your coming and bringing this polluted bread, you're, you're saying that my table, what, what I am worth is not that valuable. In other words, what, the, what he's saying is, you're saying that I am not worthy. If you bring me unworthy bread, you're saying that I am not worthy of the best that you can possibly offer. And God is, he's hurt. And look at verse number eight, look at what he says. He says, and if he offered the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if he offered the lame and sick, is it not evil? He says, I'll tell you what, offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy persons? You know, one of the things that, that I think we all can understand in here is that we give, according to the importance of an event. For instance, if, um, when it comes to my wife and I, if we're having someone over, we know that there, I I already know that in my wife's mind, there's gonna be a certain level of how decked out things are gonna be. If the teens come over, we're gonna use paper plates. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't even think about that. If If the teens come over, we're gonna use paper plates. If someone else come over, let's say it's uh, a, a, a church family over uh, in here or maybe Pastor Masonia or someone in here, then we're going to probably pull out the dishes that we hardly ever use. And I, I know for a fact that if my wife found out that the President of the United States wanted to come into our home and have dinner with us, we would get either the best that we have or we would go and buy something that's even better than that because according to the level of importance is how much we're willing to give, right? It's how much we're willing to give. So, so the, the illustration is, offer what you're offering me to thy governor. Do you think he'd be pleased? Honestly, I don't even think you'd offer it to him because you know he wouldn't be pleased. Would we sincerely, sincerely, would we if we found out and i'm I'm treading a man walking a very thin line here so i'm trying to be i'm trying to trying to make sure I, i be respectable but if we knew that after church today we were going to meet the president right if we knew that after church today, and I'm, I'm trying to be very respectful here, I'm trying to make sure um, that I'm not trying to be rude or, or, or mean or anything, but if we knew that after church today we were going to meet the president, I wonder how many of us, I'm not, I'm not being rude, okay? I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I just try, I'm just trying to bring this truth home. I wonder how many of us would have to go home and change. The level of importance, I wonder, is God more important than the president? I think many of us in here would say, yes, he is. Then when we go to meet the president, I don't think there's anyone in here that doesn't understand that there's a certain level that we should be when we, or we should act, or we should be around when we go around the president. But if, the, if god is above the president then why is it that when we come to meet god come on. the honor and the respect for how we present ourselves to god is not as good as when we meet the president now let me let me try to put your mind at ease if what you have is your best if you consider that to be your best because i'm not talking about out here i'm talking about what's in here i'm talking about the intention of the thing i'm talking about the heart your absolute heart, okay? Because it, it, it might be that when we were coming to church sincerely, we, we woke up and in our heart of hearts, we thought, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to give God my best today. But it might be that we got up and we we're just like, oh, just same old, same old. Okay, well, well, this, okay, well I'm just going to do this and I'm just going to do that because I, I want to be comfortable today and blah, 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 blah. We're not thinking about who we're about to go meet the presence of the Lord is here is he not he is so I I give you that illustration I'm not trying to be mean I'm not trying to be rude I'm not I'm not trying to uh, get you to decide anything even with that question I'm not trying to get you to go home and say you know what yeah maybe I need to but think about that question God, what God is trying to do here with these people he says this offering that you give to me offer that to the governor do you think he's gonna be pleased with that and I know they would say no. So Malachi is responsible for giving God's, God's uh, 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 hurt, the message of God's hurt. And, and we see God's question and God's accusation and God's illustration. But then you look in verse number 9 and you see the message that Malachi gives. And he says, well, here is the message of God's admonition. Here's here's God's warning then. Here's because of what you guys are doing. This is what you guys are doing. You are dishonoring God because you're not giving him your best. So, the message of God's admonition. Here it is. Look at verse number nine. Look at verse number nine. And I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath by your means. Will he regard your persons? I want to encourage you, Israel. Well, you're going to need to ask for some grace because you messed up. This is not okay. You're going to need to ask for some grace. This is, this is your fault. This hath by your means, you need to ask for some grace because think about it. This is what you're doing. You really think God would accept this? He says, ask for grace because this is not okay. And then in verse number 10, look at what we find. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I studied this passage and... I, I really try to be diligent about doing my homework. And verse number 10, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I did proper study to try and, and, and try to get the sense of this thing. And, of course, normally when that happens, and, and I'm really not getting it, I try to go and look at what other guys are saying. And then when I go and look at what other guys are saying, what do they do? They skip it. Every time, they skip it. And so, and then if I do find what they're saying, it doesn't match up with what anybody else is saying. So, so sincerely, I, I, I wanna come before you, I wanna be humble enough to say that, that I believe that what I'm about to tell you is accurate. But if you believe that you know what this verse says, come see me after, after the service and tell me, and, and, and sincerely try and point me to what you believe this verse says. Because I, I believe that what, I, what I've studied, that this is what this says, but as I discern what other people are saying, it just doesn't make sense, right? So here's, here, here we go. I'm going to try and accurately try and show you what this means. Look at in verse number 10. So he's told them, you need to ask for grace because this is not okay. Look, look, and then he tries to reason with them in verse number 10. Look at what he says. Who is there among you, even among you, that would shut the doors for naught? So in other words, who is there among you that would shut the doors for, okay, the word not we don't use, but it sounds exactly what you're probably thinking and it means for nothing. It means for, for no cost or no reason or, or, or uh, no value. Who, who among you would shut the doors for not? For nothing, right? You wouldn't. And, and then I think we can understand this, better because then we'll look at what he says. Neither do ye kindle a fire on mine altar for not. In other words, you flip that around who in here would open the doors and come in here for naught? What is he saying? You wouldn't close the doors of the church for no reason because there's something to be done here. You wouldn't come in here for no reason because when we come here, there's a reason that you're here, and that is to worship me. If that's the case. Okay, let me, let me, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say pastor's out of town, and... So my job right now is to make sure the place isn't burned down, right? To make sure that just keep moving, right? To make sure just is, let's say this morning around eight o'clock, I send out a mass text to everyone and I said, hey, no service today, period. Could you imagine? Boy, I'd have gotten dozens of text messages. Why did you close church? Why did you cancel church? People would have been outrageous, especially the deacons. Why why did you cancel church? What is your reason? Why? Because we don't come here for no reason. We have a business to do when we come here, and that is to worship God. You You get where I'm going with that, right? Okay, now look at this next part. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord, neither will I accept an offering at your hand. I believe what he's trying to say is, If there's a a reason that we come here, and it is to offer to God, it it is to worship God, if there's a reason that we come here, then why do we come here and not do it? If you wouldn't close the door for nothing because there's something to do here, if you wouldn't come in here for nothing because there's something to do here, why are you not doing it? In other words, why are you not doing it with all that you have? So then he goes on, he says, I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord, neither will I accept your offering. And this is the principle, this is why I entitled the message what I entitled it, because what is he saying? If you're not going to give all, you might as well don't give at all. If you're not going to give everything, your absolute best to me, you might as well don't give me anything. Because I'm going to tell you, anything less than the best, I don't want it and Malachi is, boy, this is some, you understand why he said in verse number one, the burden. Because, boy, this is some strong language. God is not happy with what's going on here. And so he, he lets them know, if you're not going to give all I don't want it, God is not interested in leftovers. Yeah. God wants our very best in thinking about that. If we're not going to give him all, I need your attention. I need your attention. This is, this is really important. I need, I need you to get this. If, if that's the case, let's, let's think about it this way. If God was to come down right now while we were engaged in worship this morning, I wonder how many of us, he says, if you are not going to give me all, don't give me anything at all. I wonder how many of us, he would have came to in the pew, tapped on the shoulder and was like, pack it up, wow. go home. <laughs> I wonder how many of us, when, when we were serving this morning, how many of us, he would have said, hey, go. I wonder how many of us, when we go to give an offering, he would come by the row and he would say, hey, 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 don't give that. I wonder how many of us, he would say, Sunday school teachers, as we were teaching, he knocked on the door, hey, uh, find someone else here. I wonder how many, whew, woe is me if he walked in this in this in this church, looked at me from back there and be like, Javon, wrap it up, go home. If you're not going to give me your best, you give me anything. God was serious about this. He was, he was dead serious about this. And you look at his reasoning, look at verse number 11. woo Verse number 11. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. That's us. There's coming a day where there's going to be some pure worshipers that's going to worship me in spirit and in truth because of my son, Jesus Christ. Woo! God said, I don't have to take this, man. I don't don't have to take this. There's coming a day where there's going to be a a church, there's going to be some Gentiles that my name is going to be great because Jesus Christ, they're going to trust in him, and boy, they're going to be able to worship me in spirit and in truth. Woo! I wonder if our church was on his mind when he said that. Says, and in every place incense shall be of offered unto my name and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen saith the lord and he goes in verse number 12 he says but 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 my name that's going to be great you've profaned it he says in in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted and, and the fruit thereof even his meat is contemptible these these Gentiles they're going to come they're going to worship in spirit and truth and you guys right now you're you're saying that I'm not worthy to them. I'm going to be worthy because they're going to recognize that their salvation is through the, the one that I provide and it's Jesus Christ. And, and they're going to recognize me as worthy. But you guys, you're you've profaned it. And then you even on top of that, in verse number 13, ye said, also, behold, what a weariness it is. Not only have you said that I'm not worthy, but then you, you, you're, you're complaining about it. You're saying it, it's a wariness to be able to give all this, give my best to God. Like, like I don't deserve it. Like, I'm not worthy of it. It says in verse number 13, and, and ye, ye brought that which was torn and that and the lame and the sick. Thus, ye brought an offering. Should, should man, should I accept this? Look in verse number 14. Oh, man, listen. But cursed... Be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male and voweth and sacrificeth unto the Lord in a, a corrupt thing. For I am a great king. God says, I know who I am. I'm a great king. Is he not a great king this morning? Amen. He's a great king. God says, I am a great king, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. God, God says, You know what? It is. It is inexcusable, it is quite frankly wrong. Back in those days, uh, uh, there would be some people that would vow, I'm gonna give uh, God the best that I have. I have this thing, I'm gonna give him my best, and then when it came down to give, they gave less than their best. God said that that is deceitful, and you know, honestly, I believe that that's true. You think about it, this morning you said to yourself, when you were getting ready for church, I'm going to church and I'm going to worship God, and then you got here and maybe you didn't do that. a little deceitful that's that's a little deceitful isn't it and so he's he's boy Malachi is he's going to continue to go on for for the rest of this book but boy in this chapter alone this is some strong language God says you know what I will accept the best anything else honestly it's cursed I don't want it that's deceitful I don't want that ladies and gentlemen I say all that to say this you get the sense from the passage let's give God our best Let's give God our best because it is, it is really a grave, this honor, when we come to worship him with anything less. In this passage, you see three reasons. Three reasons why we should give God our best. I don't think you're going to argue with me about these three reasons. We, you probably even thought about them as we were going through. But, but look at look at it in verse number six. The first reason I believe that God, uh, uh, we should give God our best is because, number one, God, God desires our best. God God wants our best. Look at verse number 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear? Where is my respect? God desires our best. and, And you get the sense if he didn't want it, he probably wouldn't have brought it up. If this was okay, if he was fine with this, he probably wouldn't have brought it up. He probably wouldn't have brought it up here and he probably wouldn't have brought it up all throughout Scripture. You say, what do you mean? Well, you think about it. 1 Samuel chapter number 12, verse 24. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things He hath done for you. Ecclesiastes 9, uh, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3, verse number 23, and whatsoever, uh, uh, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. God, ladies and gentlemen, wants our best. He wants our absolute best. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm not going to start naming off stuff. I could, but not my job to play Holy Spirit. But you know, what in, in what area of your life God does not have your absolute best, you know. God wants our best. Not only that, God deserves our best. We've already said that. God deserves our best. In verse number six, he brought it up because he said, he's saying, listen, a, a son on earth his father and a, and a servant is master, but if I be a father, where's mine honor and if I be a master, where is my fear? God deserves the best, because why not? Is, is he not our father? He is our Father. Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay, thou art the, pot, the potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. It's our Father. Not only that, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom all things, and we by him. He's our father. So if he is our father, where is his honor? He deserves our honor. As our master, he deserves our respect. God, not only desires the best, he deserves it. And it makes sense. He desires what he deserves. That makes sense. take responsibility from my generation not your generation not the lower my generation i find i look west i look east i look north and south this concept is gone especially in my generation the people that i grew up with in youth group people that I went to college with, my generation. I'm not trying to put anyone on blast, I'm not trying to be rude or put, you know, make you think of anyone in particular, sincerely, just, I'm just, I'm just thinking. I'm just, I'm just, just showing, I, just, I really wish you can see my heart because I'm not trying to be rude or ugly or anything. But, my generation, the idea of giving God the absolute best, it just, just isn't, the concept is gone. And the reasoning I, I've heard so many times is that, well, we don't have to make sacrifices anymore because Jesus paid. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. So we don't, we don't, we have Jesus. Jesus offered. But doesn't Romans 12, one and 2 say that we are to present our body a living sacrifice? Another argument I've heard, well, we have grace. So you're telling me that because God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, and, and he died, was buried, rose again three days later, and, and we can have eternal life through him. And, 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 and God gave this son. That, that was the grace of God. We call the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. So you're telling me that because God did all of that, that all of a sudden, he is not worthy? If anything, that makes him more worthy. Right? But then, I look at this passage and there's a third reason why we should give God our best. And I think, I think, maybe, just maybe, my generation never fully comprehended this fact. Third reason we should give God our best, because he demonstrates his best. He gives us his best. So you look in verse number nine. Look at, look at with me in verse number nine. So Malachi goes and he tells the people, hey, God is not happy. God is actually hurt. You've been disrespectful. And he goes in verse number nine, he says, I pray you beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. I looked at that phrase and I legitimately, I'm not gonna laugh, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I laughed. Because I thought to myself, yeah, because when they go to God, they're going to expect God to give him 100% grace aren't they? They're going to expect God, and and I don't think anyone in here can tell me for real that God gives us half-hearted love, half-hearted forgiveness, half-hearted mercy, half-hearted grace, half-hearted blessings, half-hearted healing, half-hearted wisdom, half-hearted salvation. No, he does not. God demonstrates The best. He gives us his best. And they're going to turn around and they're going to say, God, be gracious unto us. And they're, you know, they're going to expect God to give them his best. Jim Elliott, the popular missionary, said, when we know God personally, when we know him personally, we learn by experience that he always gives his best. And I thought about that, and from, I'm going to be honest with you, from Wednesday, from this past Wednesday, this thought, this third truth. That I, I've been thinking about this in my mind, and I was like, yeah, God does, God does give his best. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord, God gives his best. And I started trying to look in the Bible to, to, try, to, to try and find if that's true. And I'm going to be honest with you, couldn't find any passages or any verses or anything that showed that God actually gives his best and I was struggling with this and I thought to myself well maybe it's not true and I thought to myself but but they're gonna expect it and, and the truth is right there and I've man in my life I've, I've prayed about some things and I've seen God done some things in my life and and I can look back at those situations and I'm gonna tell you I know that God gave me his best but I don't know and so I started thinking well maybe a good reason, the reason maybe God gives us his best is because he loves us. Yeah, love. Okay, that makes sense. Why? You, you give your best to, to those you love. Okay, that makes sense. I, no, I'm really trying to force the, the scripture to say something there. So I, I really didn't have peace about it. And I almost didn't bring this up. But then I was driving yesterday on my way to church. And it hit me. And it, I mean, it hit me so hard, it felt like another car hit me. Mm -hmm. And when it hit me, I thought to myself, oh, God gives us his best because he doesn't know how to give anything less. He is absolute perfection. He is absolute perfection. This idea of giving anything less, do you know that that's a frailty of man? So, in other words, that's not even in God's DNA. You say, well, well Brother Trevon, that's not necessarily true, because I prayed about some things that I, and I've seen where God could have done more, and He didn't actually give more, He didn't actually do more. God is still wise. I believe he gives his best in the confines of his will. And so just because you looked at a situation and thought, well, he didn't give, my, he didn't give his best here. He could have done more here. Maybe it wasn't his will. And, and God, as, I, as that truth hit me, I thought to myself, yeah, I'm, really what I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to compare God to who I am. But I, I'm not like God. And God is not like me. God doesn't know how to give. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 32, verse 4, he is the rock, his work is perfect for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, and without iniquity, just and right is he. Matthew 5, verse 48 says, be therefore perfect, even as your father, which in heaven is perfect. So that's who he is. He's perfect. Without sin, without error, without anything, right? 100%. If that's who He is, then that means that that's automatically what He just does. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 13 says, If we believe not yet He abideth faithful, He cannot deny Himself. Meaning that, that God is faithful and He cannot stop being faithful because that is who He is. God can't help but give us his best. And that should inspire us to give ours. Does he have it? In 1989, in the 1989 French Open, a guy by the name of Michael Chang faced Ivan Lendl in a classic tennis match. Young Chang suffered from severe cramps in his legs, his thighs, and hips, and over three and a half hours on the court had started to take take its toll on Chang. His calves and and his thighs tightened up under the strain, greatly restricting his freedom of movement. Although Chang immediately broke Lindell in the, the fifth set, his dehydration was such that he tried desperately to play catch up, drinking water and consuming bananas at increasingly regular intervals to fix the problem. It was starting to look like a fight that the youngster was not going to win. The third game was as painful to watch as it must have been even to play. Chang was simply unable to move, his body seemingly giving up on him like a marathon runner who had hit the wall, yet he refused to quit. He would not stop. And in the end, he pulled off one of the greatest upset in the history of tennis. And in the post-game interview, when they praised him, you know what he did? He gave all the credit to the Lord. You know what he said? I give all the credit to the Lord, the one who refused to quit went all the way to the cross for us should we not give our all for him think about Jesus for a second do you think that you can say that Jesus didn't give his very best to father do you think that you can say Jesus didn't give his very best for us I think so I think that my very best is all that I have, literally all that I have, my actual literal body, demonstrates his best. He he desires our best, and and it makes sense because he he deserves it, and, and he deserves it because he demonstrates it. But does he have it? This morning, I want to invite you simply to give God your best. That's it. Whatever area in your, in your life that looks like, that's between you and the Lord. But I want you to, to simply give God your best. Why? He wants it. He deserves it. And he demonstrated it. May that inspire us to give God our best. So what does that mean? When you come in here, when you worship your best. When you sing, may you sing your best. When you serve, may you serve your best. When you witness, may you witness for him your best. When you teach, when you preach, I'm just saying in our, in our worship our best deserves it. And I'm going to tell you, if there was a passage that said, you know, thou shalt give the Lord thy best and nothing after that, that would have been enough for me. But those three reasons should be the cherry on top. He wants it. He deserves it. Because he gives it. That's what worship is. Giving back to Him. Giving back to Him. Giving back to Him. Not trying, giving back to Him. Worship, God worth, you are worthy. Worship, you can say it's called worth Ascribing that God is worthy. So giving 100% back to Him. Whatever area that looks like to you May you do business with God this morning. Let's go ahead and pray.